Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. Wisconsin fans demand the best, the best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good evening to this special Wednesday night, Christmas Eve's Eve edition. On the Bill Michaels Shuttle, we are glad you're along. I'm Bill Michaels. We are presented by Bud Light. Bud Light seltzer, unquestionably good. No lingering aftertaste and only 100 calories. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com for all that they have to offer. Joining us tonight on the panel, talking Packers, talking Titans, getting you ready for the weekend. Got Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider here. Michael, how you doing? Good job. Uh, nice job on the Santa suit. Do you have elves that come with that? or that, uh, I don't. Nice, uh, I, I've lost a little weight, and I needed to put the elves in my pants to fill it out. So <laughs> they're there, but, you know, they're just there in a really weird There's way. There's children listening. Yeah, well, that's uh, they're they're well, you know. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Radio Joe Zanzoli in our studio as well tonight. Joe, how you doing? Well, I have uh, some great news. So today, after I got off the show... I went to go run a couple of errands, and I came back into the building at the radio station. And, you know, we share the same building with Kiss FM in Milwaukee. Yeah. And as I'm walking through the front door, I just happened to peer into their studio. I really don't know why. And I saw something that looked very familiar to me, and it turns out that the Festivus poll that I've been looking for all day was in the Kiss FM studio. They absconded with it. Well, there you go. They take it's a that, Festivus they take miracle. So we got it. All right. Well, yeah, good. So no. Well, we can air the grievances regarding uh, Kiss FM in Milwaukee. Then absolutely. The poll. I'm looking at it right now. I brought it in the studio because it is still Festivus, even at 6:08 p.m. So we are still celebrating Festivus here on the Bill Michaels Huddle. Yeah, it was just the people at Kiss FM. They weren't using the poll for Festivus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just just in general. It's, How are we were, looking? They were, hang, they were hanging meats off of it. You know. <laughs> Uh, so that being said, uh, let, let, let's start with Mike. Uh, Mike, big game coming up against the Tennessee Titans. I, uh, I, 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 th- I think this game is interesting on so many levels because it seems like many people are sitting back saying, "Beat the Titans 
and will be believers. If you don't, you're one and three against teams with a record 500 or better, and uh, we're really expecting wash, wash, rinse, repeat in the postseason, right? Yeah, and this is going to be a tough out. I mean, the Titans are coming to play. Uh, they can clinch their division with a win. That's where they're at. Uh, where they're well coached, their their players have been to the playoffs last season. Uh, they've come together. They've had some bumps in the road this year, but uh, this is going to be a really tough out at Lambeau Field. I uh, Joe, I, I like the fact. I for whatever reason, I got a gut feeling the Packers are going to win the game. I don't know why. I just do, but I think the way they're going to win it is by one keeping the ball on long sustained drives, not forcing the ball to Devontae Adams, and keeping Derrick Henry off the field. But if he goes for 125 and a touchdown. That's not a bad day at the office for the Packers defense. Well, listen, I mean, I was I want to go back to the Carolina game because I was certainly encouraged again uh, for what the third straight week now, fourth straight week by what the defense has been able to do. And they I mean, for once, we can look at a Packer win and say that it wasn't all about the offense, that the offense did not carry you through another win. This time around, it was that Packers defense, and it was stop after stop after stop after stop. And again, we can go back to so many different uh, particular drives of that game where the Panthers, you know, seemed to have something going really well for them, and the Packers were able to either force a turnover or hold them to a field goal. But I mean, if the Packers defense can have half that kind of production that they had against the Panthers and be able to do that against the Titans, then I think the Packers should be able to win this game well. Because, again, guys, I look at this and I just think that this is going to be one of those, you know, true shootout type games where the last team with the football is probably going to win. So by what the defense has been able to do these last few weeks – it's given me more promise here against a more high-octane offense like the Tennessee Titans. Mike, uh, what do you think the Packers' focus is? I mean, obviously you want to slow down Derrick Henry. They're not going to be able to stop him, though, right? No, and see, that's the problem is against Carolina, you had Teddy Bridgewater and company, but against Tennessee, you're going up against Derrick Henry. Here's a guy that's averaging over 117 yards per game. He will keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. So Aaron Rodgers can't have five three-and-outs against that defense like they did against Carolina. That was the problem with that game. Uh, And how can the Packers once again start off, just do great with their scripted plays and go up 21-3 to and then watch this game just, you know, get chiseled away? You can't do that against uh, this group because it's a much better quarterback, perhaps the best running back in the NFL right now, uh, and 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 better coaching, frankly, you know, and an experienced coach, an experienced staff. Those are my concerns coming off these last couple of ball games that the Packers have had. The relationship between Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers referenced it again, Joe, uh, in his in his presser. Um, you know, I, I know people want to talk about it. As a matter of fact, I did a, a, a national thing today, and I looked at it. It was asked about it again. Uh, there's nothing to see here. This this is a really good relationship between these two guys. They're both on the same page. It seems like offensively, even in a bad game like last week, they're still on the same page and they're still clicking. Absolutely, and that's not going to change as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, there there was something that I heard on the broadcast against Carolina um, where Melissa Stark, the sideline reporter, you know, made a comment about how Rodgers – 
you know, th- this really wasn't working with with Matt Lafleur last year, and 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 I, I thought that was a little like exaggerated because again, even in their first season together, we really didn't see many instances where. It was it was like ugly between the two. You know, we saw a little bit of yelling on the sidelines, but beyond that, Rogers had said that you know, yeah, I mean, I'm going to ask some questions about what Lafleur is trying to run out there, and you know, I just so it was it, it was like little things like that where Rogers Rogers was totally invested from the start, but he had every right to try and you know examine things a little bit closely and say, okay, is this the right way to do it, Coach? And the fact that this has been able to go so well, and it's only only in its second season, I, I just it just blows me away. You know, we've had a lot of doubts about Aaron Rodgers because, again, he's only getting older, and we don't know how much longer he's going to have. He he wants to play into his forties. I hope he's able to do that, and to see him not only play at a high level at the age that he has, but to do it in this brand new system where you don't have like three or four great wide receivers to throw to all the time. You don't have Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson. You don't have this whole crew of guys where they can just beat corners on one-on-ones. It's it's not that anymore. It's There, there is a lot of scheme that goes into this, and Rodgers knows what he's doing. He's very, been very methodical in a lot of the drives that they're able to put together. And I mean, I, I just th- – there's no – there's no stopping this. I mean, this is this is the best case scenario, guys. Um, if you're a Packers fan, to see this work out as well as it's had, and now you've got the number one offense really in the NFL. And Joe, because Mike, of those comments, yeah. maybe that Michelle made on the air, Aaron was asked about this directly yesterday, and he said, "Yeah, you know, all this stuff last year of alleged problems between Matt, me and Matt. Meanwhile, we were dancing to the NFC Championship." So he was dismissing that there was anything wrong last year. Yeah. Then then the team went out and drafted Jordan Love. Then, admittedly, Aaron Rodgers has, has talked over and over again that he's changed himself. You decide what were some of the triggers to that. Maybe because they ended up short in the NFC Championship. Maybe because he now knows that you know his time in Green Bay is definitely shorter than what he thought it might be. There was a sense of urgency, but he decided, okay, what can I do to change this? I'll start by changing myself. Maybe I need to have a more positive attitude that will put people at ease around me. I can still be the perfectionist, but I've got to find a different way to carry myself, which is a different way of leadership. And he has been all in and a friend to everybody in the, in the, he even talked about the media and media coverage. And, and talked about, I know you guys have got a certain job to do. My problem is that you guys have a good story there. And then, you know, your editors or somebody put on a headline just to turn it into controversy or clickbait when we all know that's not the actual story or the whole story. So he's being very frank, very honest. He's doing a lot of media, you know, every week to, to try and talk about this. Uh, but at the same time, I, I th- I've got to think that his communication inside that locker room as at an all-time high, the door is open, um, and and he's very approachable. The other thing too is that that young staff, that coaching staff, they're in their second year. They're much better. They came in much more confident than they were a year ago at this time. And and then the players too, the offensive linemen, they understand how to run the outside zone scheme better. The running backs know what to look for better. Um, guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling are improving right before your eyes. And now they think that they've got a better squad to get into this postseason. 
Let's do this. We'll step away because uh, we're just a minute late, but I want to come back and kind of follow up, and we'll get back into this coming up here in just a couple of minutes. It's a Bill Michaels huddle. you got uh, Mike Clemens, our Green Gold Insider, alongside producer Radio Joe Zanzola here as well. We're brought to you by our friends at Good uh, Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Got more of the Bill Michaels huddle coming up next. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I'm happy he's here. We've had a great time together. Uh, we've been laughing all the way to the NFC Championship last year and back in the playoffs this year about any question about our working relationship. It's been a lot of fun working together. I think he's put together a fantastic staff. A lot of times a head coach gets, you know, maybe too much credit and definitely too much blame, uh, you know, for ones who haven't been winning. You know, and I enjoy uh, enjoyed the working relationship, enjoyed the friendship, enjoyed the communication. We've had a good run so far. Those are the words of Aaron Rodgers talking about, well, his relationship with Matt LaFleur, something that's probably way, way discussed too much. Bill Michael Suttle continues on. We are brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. And don't forget, uh, brewed with a unique five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish, no lingering aftertaste, only 100 calories. That is Bud Light Seltzer. Go to BudLight.com, BudLight.com. So, Mike, I wanted to come back to you on that. Um, it, it's it's something that he said uh, earlier this year when he was talking about his relationship with Matt LaFleur, how he'll see things or they'll be watching a game and he'll be texting him going, hey, I, can we run this play, take a look at this? And Matt LaFleur then engages and says, hey, if you figure something out, let's talk about it on Tuesday and we'll see what we can run on Wednesday. Maybe we can put it in the way. It seems like that everything that everybody was discussing and all the different concerns and it's almost like people at some uh, at some point wanted a problem out of Aaron Rodgers so they could say okay we'll fix that and then they're going to go on and win a championship I look at it this way I, I think that they've got a really good relationship I think Matt LaFleur has related really well to the quarterback I think that they really are two guys that challenge each other intellectually when it comes to the offense and that's the reason we've seen such such good play out of Aaron Rodgers and this offense this season well I think I think uh, Rodgers likes what LaFleur is doing in terms of how he's working with the team as the players, as the, as the head guy, that the door is open. He's got some team captains. Uh, I think he trusts Luke Getze as his quarterback coach to help him with the prep and break down the film. But the real glue here on the offensive side of the ball is Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, Rodgers just thinks the world of this guy. And when there were some rumors going around a couple of weeks ago that Maybe the Falcons are looking at this guy because look at how great this offense is running in his second year. And then you hear Nathaniel in his press conferences, and he's smart, man. He's fast as, as can be. His old man, Paul, ran, was at Pitt and launched it and then was with the Chiefs and had been with the 49ers back in the 80s as an assistant to Bill Walsh. You know, he's this Nathaniel Hackett's lived that football life. And Aaron came out and and after you know a year and a half just opened up as to how much he appreciates Nathaniel Hackett that this guy is smart he is on it and one of the comments that Rogers backed up with yesterday was not only you know do Lafleur and I get along that I like his coaching staff I like what Adam Stenovich the offensive line coach is doing it's a fresh take the guy is working his tail off he's got he's given our offensive line two or three different options so that the pass protection is there, whatever they throw at us. My problem, my concern is the broken record that we're seeing with this incredible season you're having again and this incredible two-year run of, was it, 25 wins and seven losses, including the playoffs, for this new head coach, Matt LaFleur, is 
why can't they figure out to make in-game adjustments against a struggling Carolina team the other night that had five guys deep and they couldn't seem how just to take a pause and, you know, and fix the Rubik's cube, find something that would work, you know, to, to change the direction of that game and start getting some drives back in. That's happened to them several times this year. It happened to them in Indianapolis. And these end up being the games that they lose. Uh, Joe, when you uh, following up what Mike says, some of the ways they end up losing these games, you know, I still go back to I think the best defense for this Green Bay Packers team is going to be the offense with long, sustained drives. Yes, get the ball to Devontae Adams. He talked about getting it to 17, getting it to the playmaker over and over and over again. But what I think a lot of Packers fans fear is the forcing of the football to Devontae Adams. Take what everybody, take what they give you, and and the best offense is or the best defense is long, sustained drives, keeping Derrick Henry and Tannehill off the field. Yeah, it was interesting in that Carolina game because considering how much we've been praising this offense and just watching how well. Um, the Matt LaFleur system is working with Aaron Rodgers. It didn't really work that way in Carolina. And and look, I don't want to sit here and nitpick things. I almost want to give this offense a little bit of a mulligan. But at the same time, Carolina had a great game plan. They really did. They did not allow the Packers to do anything over the middle of the field. There just weren't many passes thrown there all night. You know, Devontae had that one in the first half, which was, I think, for like 15 yards or something like that. But beyond that... There were a lot of checkdowns for Aaron Rodgers, and there were times in that game, especially in the second half, where Rodgers was forcing it to Devontae Adams in the flat, and it was just, it was just, you know, get the ball and not even two seconds, just dump it off to Devontae, and every single time, those Carolina defenders, it was, it was a different guy every time that was there to make these beautiful open field tackles for just a yard or two. I mean, yeah, that, except for. Except for Jamal Williams, too, the running back who leaves in the first half with the quad, they had all their weapons for this game, too. That's the right. frustrating part, too. Mm-hmm. They, they, that right. they could not, if Devontae's doubled and triple teamed, you know, there's got Lazard, somebody, we got to be able to find a way to get somebody else open on the backside of this thing. And on top of that, too, speaking of Lazard, I mean, the Packers had a couple of drives there right before halftime where they're they're like at the the 40 yard line of Carolina. I mean they they have an opportunity to at least get a field goal out of the drive and you got a sack because your offensive line just totally failed you. I mean that was the offensive line's probably worst performance. Specifically Lucas Patrick, he was really bad. But then there was a, the the drive after that where the Packers had like 20 seconds left and Rodgers he rolls out and he throws his pass to a wide open Lazard right on the perimeter. There's no one around him, and that's a ball that Lazard has to catch. If he catches it, they're inside the 35-yard line of Carolina, and you're probably able to get a Mason Crosby field goal in there too. So, I mean, as much as we like to rip on MVS when he drops the ball, Lazard had a crucial drop. We saw Devontae Adams have had a drop at one point. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, I mean, it was – there were – it was a little uncharacteristic, but at the same time, too, Carolina, they did their homework and they were prepared for that game. So, Mike, uh, when you look at the first half versus the second half, and the second half uh, the Packers are getting a question on, uh, you know, why has this become somewhat problematic specifically in the third quarter? Is there anything you're seeing specifically, or has it just been a couple of bad pieces of luck and, uh, you know, three and outs and, and the Packers just for whatever reason coming out at halftime uh, relatively lethargic? No, it's that's above my pay grade. Why they had why Aaron Rodgers got sacked five times when he had 14 sacks the whole year? 
why the pass protection broke broke down the way it did, why uh, they couldn't solve the problem and figure out other ways to work that defense, things underneath, or at least f- figure out a way to get MVS. If, if they're trying to take away your flats, there's got to be something then open down the sideline. But apparently they didn't feel that they had enough time to take a shot play like that to to loosen those guys back up to 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 get them off the line the way they did. Um, I, I the other thing is this: there was an interesting comment, and I talked about this in the post game show with you and Gary. One of the guys that was uh, in the Panthers defense, this uh, Douglas, he was asked, "So what were the second half adjustments you guys made? Because you shut down the Packers there in the third quarter." He goes, "We didn't make any adjustments." We just started playing. And I was talking to Leroy Butler about this as well. You've got a bunch of these young guys. Carolina has spent the last two years investing in their defense, both in the draft picks, getting guys like Brian Burns, the big defensive end, uh, some of the free agents that they've got, to move on from the Luke Keekley era and you know the Ron Rivera era. They just started playing flat-out instinctive, okay? They just, they just started flying around. And they've got some good young players on there. And that's what the Packers did not account for. And they're going to see that when they get into the playoffs, particularly when they're playing better teams. So, Joe, when we talk about this game being important against, quote, better teams, how much stock should Packers fans? Let's just say they lose in a hard-fought game, but you go back to, like, the Indianapolis game. You go back to the Colts game. They lost that game because they turned the ball over. It wasn't because they just got beat. They turned the ball over. They put up 31 points in that game, and they still tied the game after three turnovers. It took a fourth turnover for them to lose the game. So as much as you want to say they didn't win it, and technically they didn't. I agree with that. But they still played pretty well. What do you take away from this game if they get knocked off by the Tennessee Titans? Well, I mean, I guess for me it depends on the margin. Like if the Packers just kind of play similar to what they played against Carolina – and we don't see the Packers put up points against a Titans defense that isn't good. Um, yeah, I think Packer fans have a right to be upset. Like, if the Packers lose by, like, 15 or 20 points or something crazy like that, um, yeah, I think I, I think you have a right to complain about that. But I think, again, if it's one of these situations where I feel that it could come down to whoever has the ball last, um, I, I can't be too upset with that. I mean, again, we're, we're looking at an NFL this year – where there's just a lot of good football teams. And, yeah, you could say that uh, the AFC is probably the overall better conference than the NFC, but I I think if you're able to go out there and put up your best and be able to keep it toe-to-toe with a really good football team – I, I think that, that that is a feather in your cap. And who says that when you go into the playoffs and you face a team that's similar to that, I mean, who says you can't beat that team the next time around? Um, there, there, there just aren't too many like great teams that are head over heels better um, than everyone else right now. I think everyone can be exploited in different ways. So the, the way I see it, I mean, I am expecting a close game on Sunday night between these two teams. And um, I think even if the Packers do come up on the losing end and it's close, I don't I certainly don't think that's the end of the world. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, the Packers schedule this year. I mean, obviously, when we looked at it at the beginning of the season, you know, we looked at some teams and thought that they were going to be better, and that really wasn't the case. I mean, if you look at the Packers' overall schedule this season, they've had some good teams on that schedule, but they've also had a lot of bad teams too, and they've been able to beat those bad teams. So you have to play with who's on your schedule as well. So, again, I'm just 
if I look at this game coming up on Sunday night, I think as long as the Packers keep it close, it's not really going to sway me as to how the Packers might fare in the playoffs. Mike Vrabel Let's- really impressed me last year when he took a 9-7 and wildcard team. He beat his old team, the Patriots, which turned out to be Tom Brady's last game. He held them to 13 points, 20-13. Then he shut down the Ravens in Baltimore with the great season that they had had. He came up with a tremendous game plan to keep the ball away from them, from Lamar, and and to do what they did best. And then, of course, he was up 24 points. He lost to Kansas City, and he fired Dean Pease as de- defensive coordinator. But Vrabel really impressed me last year in the postseason. This is a dangerous head coach. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, is here. Radio Joe Zola, our producer, is here as well. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. More about this Packers matchup with the Titans coming up next. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We'll find out on Sunday. This is a very, they're the number one scoring offense in the league for a reason. And I know they're up there in every statistical category. Again, like I've talked about, I know most every guy on that offensive staff and got a lot of respect for how they approach it and the work they put in. Know a lot of these players too, and just the way they attack it and how talented they are. of Matt LaFleur, head coach of your Green Bay Packers. Welcome back uh, the Bill Michael Settle, presented by Bud Light. Bud Light Seltzer as well, unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. And uh, let's go to Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, uh, to start out. But, Mike, uh, you know, I guess if I'm the Tennessee Titans, their defense, pretty good defense. Packers defense statistically good. We know what their flaws are. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, they're going to be looking at this as we just need to get Aaron Rodgers a, a few stops, let our let our offense hang on to the football, and then Derrick Henry does his thing against a defense that doesn't really stop the run and at times doesn't tackle very well. So that's the way they're going to win this game is basically by playing keep away, you would assume, right? Right. And today, today we talked to the Smith brothers. They did a joint press conference. They set it up technically so they could do that. And you talked to Zadarius and Preston Smith about, well, hey, you know, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannenhill is a pretty good quarterback. And, and they go, yeah. Gap assignments, communication, you know, following our stunts, gap assignments, gap assignments. Be in the right place at the right time. You talk to Mike Pettin about it and say, hey, you know, we've had, you're still seeing some of these plays. There's some stats that say that the Packers are really good at stopping guys up front. But if a guy gets behind you, that they have two or three broken tackles. They've got one of the worst records for that in some stat that Pro Football Focus has. And... Patton said, oh, yeah, we talk about that all the time. And, yeah, you know, we got guys that, that you know, they need to think about wrapping up. And he says, that particularly with Derrick Henry and, and, and Matt LaFleur. See, when LaFleur is saying this, and you don't hear it from Patton or some of the players, <clears throat> you wonder if the head coach is running out of patience. But he wants to see hats to – he wants to three see five guys on Derrick Henry. You cannot anticipate that Jair Alexander is going to bring that beast down. That if he's got the football, there better be five Packers running after him. Not worried about their gap assignments. Go with the guy with the football. When you talk to the Titans today, they don't. all they say is physical. They've got one word, physical. 
Jeffrey Simmons, their left defensive end. Yeah, we're going to get, get physical with Aaron Rodgers. You have to. You talk to their safety, uh, smart kid, this Kevin Byard, and he talked about, you know, wow, Aaron Rodgers having an MVP season and all those weapons he's got, like with Devontae Adams. What are you going to do against the Packers Sunday night? He's obviously one of the top two, top three best quarterbacks in our league right now. He's having an MVP year, just like you stated, 40 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He doesn't really give you a lot of opportunities to get your hands on the ball. So you're going to have to try to force him to some mistakes, which is obviously easier said than done. Uh, I think what you're going to have to try to do our best to try to mix and disguise our coverages, um, really challenge you if he was on the outside because you will see a lot of times on film where they have called run plays, and if he sees a corner five or six yards off, uh, he's just going to throw a nail pass and take the easy yardage, especially uh, throwing it to 17. So I think we're going to do our best job to challenge these guys and be try to be more physical than their entire offense, um, forcing turnovers. I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing in this game. Rather, I mean, obviously you might not have a lot of opportunities to pick the ball off, but – you know, trying to punch the ball out, hammer, raking it out, those things. I think when you look at the games that they've won, uh, they're 10-0 and when they don't turn the ball over, and they're 1-3 when they turn the ball over. So I think that's going to be the biggest stat in the game. I, I said that a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about, you know, whether or not uh, this team was good or bad or the defense could hold their own. The defense statistically can kind of hold their own. It's been turnovers that has cost them more games than anything. And, and you know, you look at the other – they talk about Devontae Adams and taking them out of the mix, but – you know, Joe, it's 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 the other guys. It's Robert Tunyon. It's it's guys like Marquez Valdez Scanling. It's other guys that need to one step up, but two, the the and that's cliche, but two is Aaron just takes what the what the, the Titans are going to give him because somebody's going to be open, and that's what he that's where he's made his bones all season long. Well, again, I just I don't think this defense, this Titans defense, is all that good. Uh, they have a lot of issues. Now it's weird because. This Titans defense leads the National Football League in turnover differential. I mean, they're, I believe, plus 12. I mean, that's crazy. And they've got guys in that secondary, that safety that you just heard. I mean, he's he's done a good job at times. Malcolm Butler is by far their best player in their secondary, and, and he's had a great track record of taking the ball away and you know, you know, know, going after a lot of number one wide receivers. I think it's going to be a great matchup coming up on Sunday night. Uh, you know he's going to be on Devontae Adams a lot in that game. But the other weird part of this is, like, yeah, they're able to force turnovers, but it's like once you get in the red zone, this defense, this Titans defense just shuts down. And I saw some crazy numbers today. Zach Cruz from uh, Packers Wire, he, he, he put out this big, long piece about all these things that the Titans defense has issues with, and the biggest thing that stands out, they're dead last in the NFL in third-down conversion percentage and they're 30th in red zone touchdown percentage. And guess who is one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to scoring in the red zone this year, especially with touchdowns? It's the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they're 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 third in the NFL on third downs, and they're first in the red zone, scoring 78% of the time. So, I mean, th- that's the thing. I'm looking at this matchup, and it's like, okay, is that really going to be the game plan of the Titans, is go out there and just be physical? Is that going to be enough? I don't know. I mean, their defense has a lot of flaws, Mike, and I, I just I, I just think the Packers could have a field day against this group. And on their D-line, too, and they had to put Jadavian Clowney. Remember, they brought him in because they were desperate for help there. And right. Now he's on IR. But, Bill, did you hear that, kid? That's Belichick prep. Did you yep. hear that? That yep. sounds like a patriot. That's Mike Vrabel and what he learned from Belichick and how you've got to put the picture in front of those kids about the stats and the, you know if you create turnovers 
then you'll win this game. Don't worry about, don't be intimidated by an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees. If you can create a turnover, if you can do this, if you can do that, then that gives, that's where the confidence comes from. To stand in there for four quarters and say, I know what the key is. This looks like a mountain, but I know where the back door is and how we can get a win. And it's the same thing when you're talking about looking at this tight end, this Robert Tunyon that probably should be a pro bowler. Jeez, you know, the Packers have got a tight end with 10, 10 touchdowns. That sounds like Travis Kelsey from the Chiefs, who you guys, mm-hmm. you know, struggle with. Everybody struggles right. with. So you ask this Kevin Bayard kid about what do they think about Robert Tunyon and, and covering him? Yeah, I think you see a lot of guys come out of college that are, you know, used to be playing in spread offense. And so a lot of these tight ends were, I think even Tanya came in as a receiver and converted to tight end. So you see a lot of receiver-like bodies. I mean, these guys are not only they can block, but they can go out there and catch the ball. So I think especially when you see those guys in the red zone, most teams that we've played, uh, their tight ends are top targets in the red zone because they can use their bodies, you know, to box guys out. But he's a good, he's a really good tight end. Uh, like you said, he has a lot of touchdowns. He's really good at tracking the ball deep down the field. And uh, obviously, when you have uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he can put the ball pretty much anywhere he wants to. So he's a pretty good tight end. It's going to be a really good challenge for us. Yeah, the, the one thing about all of that, uh, and Joe, I'll, I'll go back to you, is when you look at uh, you know, and listen to Aaron Rodgers, they keep talking about getting 17 involved. Got to get 17 involved. 17 is a playmaker. We all know that. Uh, I keep hearing that comment ring true in my ears. And I, I 100% agree. I think what – uh, I, I guess when I look at this Carolina game uh, of past, you know, they did look a lot towards Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, wherever he went, was either getting double teamed or they were single coverage and they were floating a guy of safety over in his direction. They, he has always got somebody on his side of the field, which keeps taking me back to, yes, you need to get Devontae involved. I agree with that. But if they've got two on Devontae, somebody else is open. Yeah, and and hopefully Matt LaFleur was able to learn some things from that past game and be able to try to work up maybe a different game plan against this Titans team, which again, like I said, can be exploited. Um, you know, I, I just you know, just sitting here and, and thinking about it, I can't remember a game this season. And and again, you know, you can't you're one week after another, we're constantly stuffing all everything we've watched week after week after week. So it's very easy to maybe forget something from a past game. But guys, I don't remember a game this season where it felt like Aaron Rodgers had to force the ball to Devontae. Like that game against Carolina was the first time I felt this season where Rodgers was like deliberately constantly trying to throw it to Devontae, hoping he can beat someone in space, and that and that didn't happen. I, I just feel like considering how well things have been married between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and that the rest of these receivers and tight ends have also been flourishing in the system, um, I, I, Mike, I can't remember a game like that with Devontae, like where they were just forcing it. All these other guys have been able to make impacts in different ways and that's that's really been the beauty of all of it. You know, I didn't see that at the time, but I you bring up a good point, and it gets back to the whole period last year where he was doing that with the Devontae, then Devontae went down, and now for the next four weeks he had no 17 on the field. They won the next four games because right. they spread it out evenly among everybody. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got Mike Clemens, our Granny Gold Insider, Radio Joe Zinzola alongside. On the panel tonight, it's the Bill Michael Suttle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Stay tuned. We got more after this. Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
It's a very cohesive unit, and they all play well off each other. The run game marries with the pass game, and so if you take one away, then you got to worry about the other one. So it's going to be a great challenge for our defense. It's going to really test us, and, and we'll see where we're at. It is going to be a tough challenge for the defense. The Packers looking to put up a lot of points, long sustained drives, keep Derrick Henry off the field. Basically, the Titans are hoping to do the same to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. The one concern was the fact that they just couldn't get Devontae Adams going in the second half of that game against Carolina for whatever reason. Welcome back to the program. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. The Green and Gold Insider, Mike Clemens, alongside producer uh, Radio Joe Zanzola here as well. So, Mike, why could they not get uh, Devontae the ball more? I mean, was it just that difficult? Was he just that covered? It seemed like they – I mean, even Matt LaFleur said, no, they were playing soft. Yeah, that's what he said. They're playing soft. They're they're playing back. They have this weird three three five from Phil Snow that uh, Joe and I were laughing about on your show on Friday. <laughs> Some of the cuts from these guys. Well, they ended up being pretty good. Uh, that that Carolina Panthers defense. So Lafleur was asked about this. Now I want to take you back to 2018. So Matt Lafleur is a quarterback coach for Matt Ryan, and he's MVP, and they go to a Super Bowl, and he's out there with Sean McVay, and he makes Jared Goff look better. So Mike Malarkey gets fired as the head coach of the Titans. They bring in, they hire Mike Vrabel, former linebacker. Now he's the head coach. And he hires Matt LaFleur because he figures if he could fix Matt Ryan and Jared Goff, maybe he could fix Marcus Mariota for us. Marcus has an elbow injury. Then he's stuck with Blaine Gabbert. They have other problems. They go to, I think, 9-7. and seven. They miss the playoffs. And so there was a feeling that maybe the problem was the offense and the offensive scheme, and that maybe Matt LaFleur was a problem. And could he be a one-and-done offensive coordinator at the time that he was interviewing with the Green Bay Packers? You know, this is reminiscent of Mike McCarthy, a great run with the Saints. Then he takes over the 49ers as offensive coordinator, Alex Smith in his rookie season after they drafted him. And Mike McCarthy was 2-14 and before Ted hired him in Green Bay. Obviously, Ted hired him for what he'd done with the Saints. So LaFleur was asked about getting Devontae Allwood open, and then it, it it went from to this conversation. Listen. They did not want us to throw the ball to him. Now we can get more creative in terms of just making sure we're moving him around and putting him in different positions. But, you know, ultimately, it was a game where they were going to not take away the run and, and they were going to take away the pass. So they did, they did a good job. Rob Reichel. Hey, Matt. In your one year in, in Tennessee, I, I think you guys ranked 27th in points, 25th in yards. If, if you hadn't gotten the Packer job in January of 19, was your plan to go back to Tennessee? Yeah. Okay. Were you looking other places too, Matt? Or were, were, were you 100% going back? Yeah. Bill Huber. Hey, Matt. I'm kind of. I don't understand that. You know, when you're under contract in a place, like, there are no options, you know? So uh, I don't know where that came from. Kind of awkward. All right. Well, well yeah. Um, I don't know if Rob was working on a different story <laughs> and trying to find something out or. It touched um, the nerve. Yeah. Or maybe he was trying to make the insinuation that. That offense wasn't that good under Matt Lafleur. I mean, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I couldn't tell you, but yeah, that uh, yeah, that's that, that's like a, a Brett Bielema exodus right there. That's where you just kind of leave in the verbal high five when nobody gives so, it back to you. you yeah. Just, all right. 
So then the Titans make the trade to get Ryan Tannehill from the Dolphins. He turns it around. And then their offensive coordinator is a guy who worked with LaFleur, this Arthur Smith. He's actually been with the Titans. He was there with Malarkey. He's been there for nine years. Started out as a tight end coach. He's now their offensive coordinator. And LaFleur has complimented him. He says he's done some great things in getting the ball into Derrick Henry's hands and the ways that they've, they've worked at Tannehill. So last year they went to the playoffs, and now they're a playoff-bound team again under Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. But I thought that was an interesting backstory about the one year LaFleur was in Tennessee. And it just, like Rob Reichel said, it's like here's the facts. It just wasn't that good, and it probably was just touching a nerve where, you know, he didn't have a lot of success there. But then again, you find a quarterback, Joe, like Aaron Rodgers, and between the two, if everything uh, is, is copacetic and symbiotic and the way that Aaron Rodgers likes the people that Matt LaFleur has put around him and the culture that he's created, this is what you got offensively. Right, and and I remember, too, when the LaFleur hire happened, a lot of people were ragging on Mark Murphy because they were like, well, what did Matt LaFleur do in Tennessee? I mean, he didn't make Marcus Mariota a better quarterback, so what, what makes you think this guy is going to come in here and try to work with Aaron Rodgers? Because, after all, you're trying to find the right coach that's going to fit with the right quarterback. And I remember all that. I remember a lot of people were just constant speculation as to whether or not this is actually going to work. And they were trying to evaluate evaluate LaFleur because of Mariota. And it just goes to show that that's not the case. And like Mike said, too, with Mike McCarthy, it's, it's the same thing. Okay, so what? He had a bad season in San Francisco. But you got to look at the full spectrum of his coaching career. And LaFleur has done a lot of other good things elsewhere as well. One hour down, a one hour yet to go. Mike Clemens, our Granny Gold Insider, Radio Justin Zola, producing the program. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Love that stuff. Always find the uh, the pre-huddle videos over at the Facebook fan page. Go to facebook.com slash the Bill Michaels show. Did one a little bit earlier tonight as well. And we'll talk more about this contest with the Tennessee Titans coming up. Get into some of the X's and O's. And in addition to that, we'll take a look around the rest of the National Football League and begin to make our picks also. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Settle right after this. Listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Hour number two, the Bill Michaels Huddle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer on the air. We're glad to have you. This uh, Christmas Eve Eve edition of the program. Packers, Titans, getting ready to uh, get it underway on Sunday night, prime time. 
Looking forward to that. Don't forget the Green and Gold postgame show coming up immediately following the contest uh, on Sunday night. Myself, Gary Ellerson, the former Packer Badger running back, going to be here taking your reaction. Tonight on the panel, we got Green and Gold insider Mike Clemens is here, producer radio Joe Zanzola, and uh, you've got uh, a few injuries defensively speaking when you start to think about guys that can stop and or slow down Derrick Henry. You've got Chris Barnes, the linebacker. He's got the eye injury. Uh, you've got Rashawn Gary has the hip injury. You've got Kevin King, another one. Uh, he's got a groin injury. And, and, and you know, the funny thing, Joe, is he's just a, he, he's played well, but at times he's looked just a step slow, and I just wonder if he's injured. Yeah, it's it's the thing that I just I, – I, I'm not really sure because, you know, Kevin King, we talk about all these Packer players that are up for contracts, and, you know, Aaron Jones is obviously the hottest topic right now as to whether or not the Packers are going to pay him. You know, Kevin King, from what I've seen as of late, the last few weeks, it's just this doesn't look like a guy that's going to be able to get re-signed by the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I, I just don't really see how it's possible because he's been letting you down more often than not. And again, I go back to the Carolina game where, again, he's getting beaten in coverage. He's missing tackles. He had a couple of costly penalties, including a defensive holding on third down that extended a drive for Carolina in the second half that led to points. You know, I, I've just I, I'm trying to figure out what's been going on with Kevin King, and we all know that Kevin King has always had issues with health. I mean, it's kind of been the one thing that's held him back. So that's the thing. I mean, Mike, is Kevin King hurt or not? Like, is it, like should we be cutting him some slack or not? When he scooped up that uh, fumble from uh, Treddy Bridgewater and got caught from behind, you started to say, this guy's supposed to have 4-4 speed. I mean, why, why couldn't he take that to the house? He had a good 5-10 yard uh, you know, start on that. So Kevin King, if I remember correctly, it was 2017. He had the shoulder injury, had to have surgery. I think he only played in like six games. In 2018, I think it was a, a groin injury. Um, and he was maybe played in eight games or something, but he really, you know, when he's out there, sometimes he makes some big hits on running backs. He does make some nice play last year. They, the team was eight and two and Dave Schroeder from channel two, you know, our buddy that's on the show from time to time, he said, Hey, you know, you're eight and two and you've been in there now for all these games. How's it going? He goes 10 and oh, cause he'd been in 10 games. And so how's it feel? And he said, Eight and two. It was it was pretty funny because he was you know he was a participant. He was part of the reason that they were winning under new head coach Matt Lafleur, and he and he was healthy. Then this year he starts off with this quad injury and he misses that for two or three weeks. Then on a Friday practice he has a setback and he has an Achilles. So the other night you got Chris Barnes who makes his tremendous heads up play. Why Teddy Bridgewater was trying to jump over there at the you know one yard line on first down instead of you know doing a Bart Starr quarterback sneak exposing the ball Chris Barnes bats it away Kevin King runs with it now it was those two receivers that are pretty fast Robbie Anderson DJ Moore that were chasing after him but we asked Jerry Gray the secondary coach are you know is is Kevin King okay to me uh you know just looking at that when he picked that fumble up and, and you could be a four four guy. But if there's two guys chasing you that are 4-3 and 4-2, they're probably going to catch you. And, and it took them 50 yards to catch him. So I think that was a good sign. But, but uh, you know, 11 can run. I mean, he, he's like really, really fast. And so is 12. So I thought those guys did a great job of, you know, tracking him down, not letting him score for a touchdown. 
But, you know, one of the things that, you know, Kevin and I talked about is that, you know, doing, doing, especially during the off season, he had went through a, uh, you know, went through a surgery uh, and, and, and fought his way back. And then I thought he'd have a really good training camp. The biggest thing that we got to keep doing, he's missed five games. He's really now getting back into the stride of what, what he's missed, you know, and, and so just think if he hadn't missed those five games, now he's, he would probably hit his stride by now. To me, I'm looking at what he's doing, and he's trying to do the right thing, and and you know, of course, get treatment, do all those things. But in the long run, I think he's going to be fine. You know, especially down the stretch for us. Look, uh, and I get that, but they're still listing him as a groin injury. I mean, we know guys, uh, and Mike, I'll come back to you, but a groin injury. I mean, that's. You, you're constantly thinking about that. You're constantly wondering if you're going to pull it, if the next stride, if the next cut, if the next time you pivot, if the next time you push off. That's one of those things where you you realize it when you're sitting there, you know? And can I put on something? This yeah. is Jerry Gray's first year with Green Bay. He'd been with the Vikings the last several years. Did you hear him say Kevin was coming off from his surgery this year before he got started? Yeah. We had no idea Kevin King had surgery after the 2019 season. Right. We just found that out yesterday. Which you wonder if this – so I guess, Joe, the next question is, would you re-sign Kevin King? Well, I mean, I mean that's a that's a pretty significant nugget there about Kevin King, you know, coming off of surgery. I just – this is the way I see it with his future in Green Bay. Um, And, again, I don't know what the market is going to hold for him because I think a lot of teams are going to look at him and say, look, he's been dealing with injuries ever since he was drafted. So can we really pay big money to a guy that we're not even sure if he could be our number one corner for our team? I mean, that's going to be the issue for me. Now, would I like to bring Kevin King back? Sure, I'd be fine with that, but – I'm not going to overpay for Kevin King, and considering the Packers only have so much money to spend right now, and they're trying to think about Aaron Jones as well, I just I'm just not sure how it's really possible for him right now. I think Kevin King might have to find a job elsewhere, and I'd be very curious to see what a team is willing to pay him. So who do you back uh, him up with? Go ahead. Who, right. who takes uh, his place? Well, and that's the thing. You, you guys, I mean, Josh Jackson, he was a healthy scratch against Carolina. They, I mean. They didn't even use him, so Shannon Sullivan's replaced him. But and I don't, Shannon Sullivan. I, I don't know if you're going to go with Shannon Sullivan, but that's the guy that they've been using as well. They're going to have to take another corner in the draft, and I they've can't been use. Yeah, they've been using Shannon as the nickel, basically where Tremont was last year. Because you know, Pat's right? always got. He's either always in nickel or dime. He's got five or six guys back there. Kadar Holman got in ahead of Josh Jackson your second-round pick from a couple of years ago. Today, LaFleur was asked directly about what's the deal with Josh Jackson, and the answer was special teams. He's not pulling his weight on special teams. Mm-hmm. And when when it gets to that situation, if you can't help us on teams, then you're going to be a healthy scratch over there. The guy who did get to play the game was this Henry Black, this undrafted kid, safety, and I saw him as a gunner out there. And tonight... I asked Sean Menenga about, hey, tell me about 41 at the left side. Gunner goes, oh, you know, he really impressed us. You know, he's an undrafted kid that they brought in. He was in the program on the on the Zoom meetings, the virtual meetings last spring. He says, we were really impressed by his, you know, his, how he was picking up things. Then he impressed us in camp. Then he got his chance when we had some injuries when Kevin King went down. And remember, though, I think it was the, the Saints game. Like within three plays, he had 
a fumble recovery and three tackles. He's just all over the field. So you got guys coming off the street like Henry Black beating out Josh Jackson to be active against the game last Saturday night. Well, if you don't make the team via special teams, you're done. I mean, this is it for Josh Jackson, in my opinion. I mean, if he can't even be a gunner on special teams, then there's no place for him. You, you, you're even though he did, done. it seemed like he did a pretty good job of filling in for those three or four weeks when King was out, right. you know, with with the quad injury. But, you know, here he is six weeks later, and he's back in the doghouse. Sometimes, though, it, guys, it's a mentality. It's like if I'm not playing, I'm not playing. And you just check out. And, and we all know that. Some guys look at it like the Don Beebe method of, I am going to be hair on fire guy. I'm going to make a name for myself in one way, shape, or form. And you're, you're the ultimate guy when it comes to playing special teams. A lot of guys don't like to do it. They feel that they sh- they're being miscast, misused. They feel that they're better. They shouldn't be on special teams. And then they just mentally check out. And maybe that's what's happened to Josh Jackson. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue to talk Packers and Titans. That's coming up on Saturday night. And uh, Mike Clemens alongside Radio Joe Zanzola here as well. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors, just to name a few. Go to BudLight.com for all the information. More of the Bill Michaels Show next. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Tory is first or second best center in the NFL in the year 2020. I'm telling you right now from someone who actually understands and knows offensive line play and not being biased, I've seen other offenses and what they need to do and what they ask, especially in the NFC. He is one, if not number two, in the entire NFL. So that's why for me, and he plays best football of his career. It really, really irks me when I see someone who has really mm-hmm. put the time, put the effort, did all the work, and then Blame doesn't hurt. get the, the reward, because that is technically our re- reward. Whether it's flawed or not, it's still the reward. Welcome back to the program. Those are the words of David Bakhtiari. Talking about the Pro Bowl. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Tunnel presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Lingering aftertaste. Nah, baby, nah. Only 100 calories. Naturally carbonated, gluten-free. Includes no artificial flavors. Go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com. Mike Clemens, our Green Gold Insider alongside. Radio Joe Zenzola here as well. And uh, and Mike, uh, look, uh, the, the Pro Bowl, we've spent the good part of a day today talking a little bit about it. It's something that normally guys don't get too juiced over, but it certainly seemed like it irked more than a few up in Green Bay because Robert Tunyon wasn't there, Mason Crosby wasn't there, Kenny Clark, who is not having a, his best, most stellar season, but certainly having a good season. It seems like even though they got seven, they certainly could have had more. Yeah, and down in Nashville, everybody's irked that Ryan Tannehill wasn't voted into the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's what happens with the Pro Bowl vote every year. Is It's not so much to celebrate who gets in uh, or a first-year time like Jair Alexander and the story that gets the most clickbait is who who feels snubbed and who's going to insult the league for for not getting their guys in. And if I'm not mistaken now, if there's no game to be played at the end of January, then that means that there's no changing of rosters. There aren't players that are declining to go, and there may, that means that there isn't a chance for other players to be named as, as uh, alternates or reserves, right? I mean, the guys that they yeah. named the other day, those are the pro bowlers, they're the ones that are going to get the bonuses in their checks, and that's the end of the deal. Because you know, let's not forget, this does come down to some money. No, absolutely. And guys that get voted into the Pro Bowl, I completely understand it. The Pro Bowl game, though, Joe, 
it's lost its luster. I'm I as much as I liked it back in Phoenix when we were there, and there was Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and, and Josh right. Sitton and all those guys when we had a really good time with those guys. The game itself, uh, it was good, uh, and then the last quarter it really got going. But the game itself is kind of uh, kind of a yawn. You, you know what? I like. I thought the NFL had it right with having the Pro Bowl in the same city the same week of the Super Bowl. Right. Like that was that was actually a great idea. And then I thought, why not continue this? And no, no, we got to have it in either Hawaii or Orlando. And to be perfectly honest, you know, kind of from that point on, I've stopped watching the Pro Bowl. I don't even waste a second on it. Like to me, it's just it's completely unwatchable because number one, like you guys just talked about, a lot of these players elect not to play in it, and you know, for one reason or another, they don't want to, or their team is in the playoffs and they want to make sure that they're ready for that, or they're getting to the Super Bowl. So I I've stopped watching the Pro Bowl. I just think it's stupid. Now, with that being said. The recognition is still something. The fact that you had seven Green Bay Packers get into the Pro Bowl is pretty cool and pretty significant. And I think it's also crazy that you heard Bakhtiari there talking about Corey Lindsay. Like, he easily could have been a Pro Bowler this year. Robert Tunyon easily could have been a Pro Bowler this year. I, I mean, it just blows my mind that Evan Ingram got in over him. Evan Ingram hasn't done anything this year for the Giants. The Giants even tried to scheme him open in games midway through the year that didn't really work out that well. Like, I mean, you talk about an insult to those two guys, especially Robert Tunyon. I care about the recognition, but the game, I mean, whatever. There, there's just really nothing you can do with it. Mike, do you uh, do you like the Pro Bowl, or is it uh, something that we just would love to see the guys all gather at Super Bowl or Radio Row and get their accolades and maybe answer questions and then go about their business? Once upon a time, <clears throat> uh, when they established Family Night and they were going to sell tickets to it, you know, there was a there was a great uh, offensive lineman. I'll leave it at that. Who we all know, who's still you know in the spotlight these days. And I went to him and said, well, this is exciting, huh? I mean, all the fans will be there, and, you know, you get to put the pads on and hit guys around. And he looked at me like I was nuts, and he said, yeah, they figured out another way to sell tickets without having to pay us, like it was a fifth oh. preseason game. Right. And I, I think of that all the time when you think of this as a player. Like, you want me to show up and play for three hours and put my body on the line, and you're not going to pay me? Or this could screw up my 16 weeks of paychecks next year if I get injured, if I have a torn ACL, and I miss the start of next year. That's what these guys think of at this point, is how is this going to affect me financially and my body? And, and when you think of it at that level, I don't know how you can do this without not playing flag football. I mean, that's part of the reason you saw the, the game um, go such downhill from the way they played it 20 years ago is because there's so much money on the line that they could right. lose if they buy, you know, the one in a hundred chance that they get hurt in February and it screws up their mini camp schedule. What is the uh, what is the NFL? Why do they muscle in to say you have to play the game? I mean, I guess there's old school pride. You go back to the days when I mean, I remember interviewing Jerry Kramer a couple of years back. We were talking about the Pro Bowl, and and Joe, you might remember this, but Jerry was like, "This is when you hated the AFC and the American Football League, and you know they were NFLers." And I get that there was that old school pride. You, the free agency wasn't about 
guys didn't share agents, guys didn't share training, guys didn't share trainers. They didn't do that. Today they do, and they're not going to go beat up on each other. So why, in my opinion, why doesn't the NFL just say, all these guys are going to come to where our Super Bowl site is, they're all going to be made available one at a time, or maybe two at a time, and we're going to send them all over Radio Row. We're going to do the interviews with them. We're going to let them get, garner their accolades. Maybe we introduce them on the stage during the Players' Awards or something to that effect. And then after that, just you've been recognized. You're a pro bowler. Congratulations. Get the hell out of here. Go home. I'd be fine with that. I, I mean, I, my, well, I mean, this is my question because I have no idea, but like, how much is the TV deal for the Pro Bowl? That's, you've answered the question. That's why they're doing it. Why, why haven't any games in this regular season been completely canceled? The answer is, it's a show. Nobody gets paid if there's no game. And so my, I, I'm guessing the Pro Bowl is no different. It's a TV show. you got to put a game on. In order to get paid by the network, you've got to put a game on. And you've got to have football players out there and get a certain number for your sponsors and in, in, in delivering it that way. And so... That's what the league is. It's like it's a revenue. It's a revenue stream for them to get all those big name players on the field to to play touch football for three hours. That's what. It, that's the reason why. Hey, Mike. Before we get into the bottom of the hour and the cuts and or no, I mean the picks of the games and such, I wanted to ask you. Um, over the last couple of weeks, one of the problems has been. Uh, special teams specifically we already talked about josh jackson he's a, a healthy scratch inactive because special teams have not been really that good and he has not participated that well on special teams but what seems to be the continual problem with special teams well they've had some coverage problems and you know, we talked about josh jackson not being out there anymore today as a matter of fact i made a note that 41 this henry black was was the left gunner and i saw some of the coverage techniques that Actually, the, sometimes the gunners aren't actually the first-in guys. They'll actually drop back as a safety. The second guy will come in. That's because if they double-team your gunner and try and knock him out of bounds like at the sidelines, then, then that opens up you know, a hole for your returner. Uh, so they'll bring, they'll bring the, the L5 guy down instead. Uh, so I, I think Menenga is pretty good at this. I think he needs a little help. Maybe they got to put a few starters out there if it's a big game, particularly if you get into... Uh, the postseason, uh, but I, I I asked about that today, and they said, and Menenga said this Henry Black guy is you know has been great for him. So they're 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 trying things out that way. Tavon Austin only had one punt return on the other side of the ball uh, the other night, and the other one that they grounded. So we haven't really seen him in action. Uh, but Swerve, you know, Tyler Irvin really made a difference mm-hmm. when they brought him back last year when it came to field position. The other thing that was asked today was was this is you know you guys don't you haven't run a fake yet you, you don't seem to be very innovative and I gotta I'll bet you that this is a case of Lafleur being conservative and saying I've got Aaron Rodgers I don't I don't I don't need to have fake punts okay I'm I expect my defense to get the stop and 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 to get the ball back into Aaron Rodgers hands I don't need a fake to go south on me like it did on the Detroit Lions the other day and somebody gets fired and somebody's feelings get hurt uh, but they asked him about that today and Menenga the special teams coordinator says we've always got four or five plays that we've talked about that we try to run through at least once or twice and it's there but LaFleur has not gone to that card yet 
Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go ahead and start to take a look around the rest of the National Football League and start to make our picks. Got a full slate of games, some good ones coming up this weekend as well. Mike Clemens alongside. I'm Bill Michaels, Radio Joe Zenzola here. Also, it's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. we got a lot more right after this. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I come in this game with the mindset that, you know, we're going to be the most physical and dominant team of this game. You know, it's, it's always great playing against a quarterback like this, but, you know, at, at this point of um, the season, you know, it's about playoff football, and, you know, that's how we got to approach the game. Those are the words of Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans getting ready for the Packers coming up on Sunday night. Sunday night football prime time. Packers trying to close it out, get themselves a win and get themselves solidified as the top spot in the NFC. Welcome back to the Bill Michaels Huddle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. Green and Gold Insider Mike Clemens is here. Producer Radio Joe Zenzola is here. Time now to start looking around the rest of the NFL and making some picks. Good games on the docket this week. There's a couple of craptastic ones, but good games coming up. The Vikings are trying to stay in the hunt anywhere that they possibly can, and I know they're behind the Cardinals, they're behind the Bears. They're on the road taking on the Saints. It's a game between these two teams from last year in which the Vikings actually won in the postseason on the road. Uh, the Saints are 10-4. and four. They are stri- trying to stay near the Green Bay Packers. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Uh, but on the road, I don't think the Vikings get the job done after be- being uh, beaten by Mitch Trubisky and company. Drew Brees is going to get his mojo back. Drew Brees gets the win in this one. Joe, I'll go over to you. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Saints in this one too, but I'm very interested to see how the Saints defense handles the likes of Dalvin Cook, rookie just Justin Jefferson, who's had one hell of a year for Minnesota. I mean, talk about filling the void for Stephon Diggs. Um, yeah, I'll take the Saints, but I think there could be a lot of offense in this game. Michael, that's the game that's that's the game this Friday night, Christmas Day, right? Three yes. thirty. Yep. Yeah, weird yep. time, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean. The Vikings should just be ashamed that they got beat by the Bears at home. Uh, I'll take the Saints in the Superdome. Buccaneers on the road to take on the Detroit Lions. Detroit, under Daryl Bevel, a little bit of energy. I don't think they have enough. I think Tom Brady's going to be extremely solid. They're going to get their 10th win of the season. So I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road to beat the Lions. Lions go to 5-10. and 10. Buccaneers will go to 10-5. and 5. Michael. Yeah, I, I, I need to spend some time at some of these losses the Buccaneers have had, two or three of them back-to-back, because obviously we thought we were so impressed when we were down there in Tampa covering that game when they beat Aaron Rodgers and company. Um, I've got to think that, that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers beat the five and nine lines and get a win. This That's the uh, Saturday afternoon game, yeah. Yep, Saturday, that's uh, a noon kickoff on Saturday, Joe. Yeah, it was very weird to see the Falcons kind of give the – Buccaneers a run for their money last week again on the road in Atlanta and here the Buccaneers are now up at Ford Field dealing with Detroit I don't know though I I think the Buccaneers should have no problem putting up points against the Lions secondary that isn't good Um, who knows who knows what Matt Stafford might do though you never know I'm still going to take the Buccaneers though in this game Cardinals right now they are in the last position when it comes to the playoffs in the NFC they are trying to hang on they are at home they're taking on the 49ers 49ers are just a banged up football team maybe they rebound next year but I just don't think that they're going to get it done and with everything to play for regarding their postseason lives the Cardinals in my opinion walk away with a victory Joe 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I certainly don't feel sorry for the 49ers considering what they did no. to my Packers last year. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, it's a completely different team. I mean, like literally all their great players are hurt, and it's it is it's unfortunate for them, and that's why they're five and nine right now. Um, I, I could I see an upset? Maybe. I mean, this is this is home for the 49ers now. I mean, they're in they're right. th- three of their final four games are in Arizona, whether it's, you know, home or road or whatever, but they're in Arizona. It's their new home. Um, I'll still take the, the Kyler Murray and the, and the Cardinals to take care of business. It, the 49ers, San Francisco could get George Kittle back for this Saturday afternoon game, but Kyler Murray's name, you know, player of the week. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Uh, then you got the Dolphins. This is a good one. The Dolphins are on the road. The Dolphins sitting at nine and five. The Raiders sitting at seven and seven. The Raiders have been on the cusp all season long. The Dolphins are a good football team, and uh, they seem to have gotten themselves a little bit of energy once uh, you know, kind of Tua took over. Even though they were playing extremely well, Fitzpatrick was playing extremely well. It seemed like once uh, they Tua came in, they got their feet under them. They are just a couple of spots up in the wild card. Baltimore is behind them, and the Raiders need to win out and hope that either Miami or the Ravens end up losing the last couple of games for them to get in because the two teams ahead of them have nine wins. So this is a must-win for the Raiders. It's a must-win for the Dolphins. I'm going to take the upset, and the Raiders get the win at home. Mike? That's an interesting call because I've watched the Raiders let these games slip through their hands. Yep. Yep. You know? um, I'm trying to look up here and see what the, what Vegas says, who, who they're, they're favoring for this one. I have Miami as a three-point favorite. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with the Gamblers. I say the Dolphins will play a, a better football game. I'm looking at this one, and, and and you know what? Like I thought – I said something earlier this year about the Raiders that, you know what, maybe John Gruden does have something there. Like the offense is coming along, the defense is okay, but their defense has had some injuries as of late. I It's – it's just so hard. The the NFL is constantly changing every week. I will say this though, Miami's got a great defense. I mean, that's that's been their constant all year. It's it's part of the reason why they have really turned things around down there. And Brian Flores has done a good job too as a head coach. I will take the Dolphins as well, but I think that could be a closer game and maybe maybe the odds makers in Vegas are onto something. Yeah, but without Carr in there, I saw him running. He was rolling out to the right and the groin injury pop up. Mariota looked like he had it going there. And then at the end, he blew the game. And, you know, the people in Tennessee that we're going to face Sunday night, you know, they're saying is same old Marcus Mariota. You know what, though? I got to say, I was shocked by how well Marcus Mariota played. Like, I, sure. didn't, I didn't expect anything from him when he stepped in for Carr. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is really a, a, a weird game coming up because here's the thing. The Giants are at 5-9, and nine and they're fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, the Ravens right now are on the outside looking in, even though they still have the opportunity. But think about this. The difference between the 13th place team in the NFC and the fourth seed in the NFC is one win. Because if the Giants win and keep pace with Washington, and Washington should lose a game or two, that much like the Cowboys, the Giants could end up winning their division. So this is a must-win for the Giants. Giants on the road taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens playing better football. Lamar Jackson seems to be a little more comfortable and plays, has played better as of late. Even though I'd like to see the Giants win just to make the NFC East interesting, uh, I'm going to take the Ravens at home in this one, Michael. Uh, I love that New York newspaper headline, the NFC least is what they're calling the division. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I'll, I'll take the Ravens at home over New York. 
I wish I was that clever in anything I tweet. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Ravens, too. I mean, the momentum is there right now. The Ravens, we've, we all thought Lamar Jackson could step it up a little bit, and um, he had a great game last week against Jacksonville. So, no, give me the Ravens, screw the Giants, and screw Evan Ingram for taking the Pro Bowl nod <laughs> over Robert Tunyon. Uh, getting their huge, massive win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. They now, oh. the Cincinnati Bengals, traveling down to the Houston Texans. <laughs> and uh, Zach Taylor all smiles uh, after that win. Uh, Mike Brown, the first one to congratulate him, gave him a 27-year contract extension worth $4 million. <laughs> it, it's, it's just it's tremendous, and uh, he will never fire him because he owes him 4.1 uh, still, I think. Uh, regardless, uh, I, the I've Steelers, got the... The Steelers were 12.5-point favorites in that debacle. Right. 12 and a half That's point one favorites. of the largest margin of victory uh, spread oh. losses in uh, in the NFL in a long time. Merry I'm Christmas. Taking the te- I'm taking the Texans at home because I just think Cincinnati on, on Monday night getting a win, now flying down to Houston, they're, they're not going to do it. Uh, and uh, then the Queen City will be slapped back into reality, Joe. Uh, this is what you call a steaming pant load of a football game. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know what? The Bengals have yet to win on the road this season. I will go with the home team. Give me the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. I'd like to take the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Texans. Yeah, I, I'm, the sentimentality is, uh, okay, if you like the uniforms, great. If you don't, then you hate them, and you never pick them again. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, hey, Zach Taylor's got that 27-year contract now. He's good to go. Uh, the Bears at 7-7 seven and seven, uh, trying to hang on. They believe, the conspiracy theorists believe, and I sound like I'm watching a show of ancient, ancient aliens now, but that this is the 10-year anniversary of the Packers winning the last two to get in and, and being oh. awoken, if you will, by the Bears, quote, allowing them to get in, then going on that run, facing the best team in the NFC who had home field advantage in the Bears, down at Soldier Field, the Packers getting the win and then going on to a Super Bowl. So if history reverses, repeats itself 10 years later, the Bears would then win to get in on the last week against the Green Bay Packers, go on a run and beat the Packers in the NFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl at Lambeau Field, therefore stealing back their uh, cojones that they lost when the Packers went into Soldier Field and beat them there. Uh, I will take the Bears to get the win against Minshew Mania and company all down there in Jacksonville, and Marone's an idiot. Mike? I'm taking the Jaguars, just just for fun, just, just to give me something – Motive just because when I'm driving up to Green Bay, you know, for the game Sunday night, I want to listen to that and I and I want to hear the misery on Chicago radio on Monday morning. Jaguars all the way, baby. Well, well, I'll tell you this. I know who's certainly rooting for the Chicago Bears, and that's Jacksonville Jaguars fans. They want to keep losing. They want Trevor Lawrence. They're in the number one spot right now. I mean, there's no business for Jacksonville to even be winning this game. And I'll give credit to the Bears. They have looked really good, especially offensively. Like Mitch Trubisky, I don't know what happened. He he looks like a better quarterback, especially in play action. And David Montgomery has been running the ball. Like they actually know how to use him now. The Bears should kill Jacksonville, but it would be so typical of Chicago to blow this one. I'm still going to take the Bears regardless of all of that. Uh, this one's an easy one real quick. Falcons on the road, taking on the Chiefs. Chiefs 13-1, Falcons 4-10. and I got the Chiefs at home all day and, and 47 times on Sunday. Mike? Got to take Kansas City. Joe? Chiefs. 
Chiefs, there you have it. We're through the first half. When we come back, we'll get through the second half and pick the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans and the score. That is next in the Bill Michaels Huddle. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. This, this is going to be our challenge for us, you know, um, in all phases. That's our main goal right now. Yeah, and once we finish this game, you know, the next, you know, it's all about finishing the season strong and, you know, focusing on week to week. And, you know, we finish the season strong. We know what we have ahead of us. And right now we're in the number one spot to get a first round bye. So we just know we finish these weeks strong. We're in control of our own destiny and getting home field throughout the playoffs. Got to come through Lambeau. There he goes. area Smith, Preston Smith. The Bill Michaels huddle continues on. Presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, no artificial flavors. How we look in only 100 calories. Did Go you to BudLight.com. Did you? No. Did, Go ahead. Zadarius bought Preston a new car. Oh, a I did Jeep? see that. I saw. I, I saw that. It was a Jeep. Yeah. A Jeep. Uh, the white one. Trackhawk, they call it. Yeah. It goes uh, zero to sixty in three point five seconds. And then we were asking Mike Smith, the outside linebackers coach, uh, this afternoon, hey, how about Z getting P a new car? And he goes, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> here we know about it, and five hours later, right? they didn't bother to tell their coach, yeah, Zadarius no, got Preston a car for Christmas. Yeah. It's a Festivus yeah. miracle! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, he also gave him the taxes on it, so there you have it as a gift. Uh, Mike Clemens is the voice you hear. Uh, also, Radio Joe Zanzola alongside. Uh, the Browns on the road. I can't believe I've been picking the Browns, but the Browns are 10-4. and four. The Jets are 1-3. and three. The Browns, I am going to say, get the, not only a win, but now they're into actual double-digit wins. Two ones alongside one another. It will be their 11th of the season. The Browns are firmly solidified into the postseason, in my opinion. Uh, I'm picking the Browns. Cleveland on the road, Michael. Yeah, too many weapons. I'm taking Cleveland. So I'm in the fantasy football uh, championships in the Station League, and I'm starting the Cleveland Browns defense against the Jets. I should do well, but usually it goes the other way. I am going to say something crazy. I am going to pick the Jets. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Just the because, Jets. Just, just because it doesn't work for me in fantasy football. Like, the Browns should shut down the Jets, but – they, they won last week, and I'm sure Jets fans are going to be even more angry if they win again. I, I just – I don't know. I, I'm i going with the Jets. Once they lost Trevor Lawrence, to hell with it. They're going to start winning. There you have it. Uh, then you got the Colts 10-4 uh, and four on the uh, road, taking on the Steelers. Steelers in a free fall. They have lost three straight. They have looked bad. Colts defense really good. I'm taking the Colts on the road to get their 11th win. Steelers will then be 11-4, and four, and so will the Colts, Joe. You know, there really is something to peaking at the right time, and the Steelers are certainly fading at the wrong time. Um, not to mention the Colts are trying to win the AFC South here, and they're keeping a close eye on those Titans. I am going to take the Colts, but I think it's going to be a close game. Roethlisberger did a press conference, and Big Ben said, you know what, uh, the criticism about my play, my missed assignments, I don't blame them. I mean, the quarterback is in the wrong spot. I think the odds makers have got the Colts up by two points in this one. I guess I'll take Indy in this game, Bill. Uh, which I, I just I think the Colts they're salivating, man. They they want to win that South and uh, they're trying to keep pace. The Steelers already, for the most part, uh, that that you know that AFC North they've got that thing locked up. Uh, they've got Cleveland right on their heels, but uh, they kind of feel like they're in the driver's seat. So, you know, I, I 
I want to see them right the ship, but man, they're they're falling uh, falling fast at the wrong time. Uh, the Broncos five and nine. The Chargers five and nine. I like the Chargers at home. Justin Herbert's been impressing me all season long. I think the Chargers finally get their sixth win of the season, Mike. I think the Chargers are the best five and nine team in the NFL. Uh, John Elway say that he's sticking with Drew Locke for now. I'll take the Chargers at home. Yeah, I totally agree. The Chargers could easily flip things around next year, and they're going to have a good draft position. They can add to what they already have there, have some healthy guys next year like um, Ingram and Derwin James. Uh, I will go – Chargers always find a way to blow it, though, because of their head coach. Um, I'll take the Chargers by three. Chargers by three. There you go. This is a good matchup. The Carolina Panthers, two good defense. Panthers defense at 4-10. Washington trying to stay atop the NFC least, if we'll call it that, at 6-8. and eight. But Washington been playing good football. I'm picking Washington at home in this one, Joe. Uh, give me the Panthers in the upset because every time you feel like a team emerges in the NFC East, they uh, take a step back. I'm going to go with the Panthers. Panthers went back home from Green Bay. They had three of their top defensive guys having to get MRIs. I'll take the Washington football team. Then you got the uh, the Eagles, 4-9-1, and one, taking on the Cowboys, who are trying to keep pace with Washington and trying to keep pace with New York. Uh, the Cowboys right now have the lead on New York because of the victory over them. Uh, I'm going to take Mike McCarthy's guys at home, starting to feel a little bit of mojo, Mike. You know, when Jalen Hurts took over in that game for Carson Wentz at Green Bay, I looked at him and I thought, oh, this he was the spark. I thought, this is kind of what Jordan Love looked like in training camp. Um, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys winning at home over the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm all in on Jalen Hurts. I really, really like what he's done the last couple of weeks. It's kind of the spark that the Eagles need right now. I'm going to go with the Eagles in Big D. Then you got to the Rams at 9-5. The Seahawks, 10-4. and four. Rams trying to hang on. Seahawks trying to hang on. Good matchup out there in Seattle. Uh, I don't know if it's my head or my heart uh, that's trying to get the the Rams will them to victory so the Packers can clinch the uh, NFC, but I'm going to take the Rams on the road to get their 10th win of the season over the Seahawks, Joe. Certainly the Rams were uh, pretty hurt after the Jets beat them last week. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to come in with some rage. I think they're going to beat the Seahawks. This is a tough call. I'm going to take the Seahawks at home. Seahawks at home for Mr. Michael. And then you've got the Bills, 11-3. and three. The Patriots, 6-8. and eight. Uh, The Bills on the road, by the way. I It's 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 really weird watching Bill Belichick get beat, but it's re- there's something, I don't know why it's somewhat satisfying watching that team struggle. I, I don't know why, but I, I hope Buffalo beats the crap out of them. I'm taking Buffalo to get their 12th win of the season, Mike. Uh, and but I'm a big uh, Buffalo Bills fan, too. I'm taking Buffalo for the win as well. Uh, I love Buffalo a lot. I think they can dethrone Mahomes in the AFC. Uh, give me Buffalo in this one by far. That brings us to the Sunday night contest. Packers at home. They're taking on the Tennessee Titans. Packers 11-3, Titans 10-4. and I got a good feeling about this game. Uh, I think it's still going to be close, and I'm, I'm not going to say shootout, but it's going to seem like one by the final score. I'm going to say the Packers get the win 31-27, the final, and uh, we'll be screaming about how this team gave up too many yards, a late drive, put points on the board, blah, 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 but yet a win is a win is a win. It'll be their 12th win of the season, Joe. We're all talking about Derrick Henry, but pay close attention not only to Ryan Tannehill, but his two weapons, 
Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown could be a top 10 receiver in this league. He's he's really incredible. Those guys you got to pay a close attention to. I think those guys are going to put up some points on the Packers. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. It comes down to the final possession of the game. I think the Packers have the football. I think Mason Crosby kicks the game-winning field goal in a shootout. 38-37 Pack. I like A.J. Brown, too, for Tennessee. He's got an ankle, though. I take the, the Packers by the same score you had, Bill. 31-27 at Lambeau. 31-27 at Lambeau. That is it. Hopefully it all comes true. Our Christmas Eve's Eve edition of the Bill Michaels Huddle. We will not be here tomorrow night. Uh, wishing everybody out there listening to the program uh, a very, very Merry Christmas. Mike, always good to talk to you, pal. Appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. Radio Joe Zanzola, always good for you as well. Everybody enjoy their Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. That's it. Time for us to go. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. I was going to say that. Joe found the pole. How about that? How are we looking? Time for us to go. Soup. Wisconsin wide. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.